0: Welcome to the Bad Life Podcast. As always, I am Patrick, and today we have a guest that I've been trying to get back on for a while. He's he's been so busy with his podcast. I've been busy my thing, getting the time to work, but we finally made it happen. I'm really excited. My brother, Chance Garten. What's up, dude?
1: Yo, yo, yo. Ready to do this, man. It has been a bit overdue, but, you know, compared to the last time we tried to kind of get into the topic that we have on deck for today... Mm-hmm. I've learned so much. I have way more experience, way more comprehension of everything that we're going to discuss. So this is the perfect time to get into it, man. Isn't
0: that interesting real quick? How like sometimes when you, you, when you take a step back and like you try to not force things, but if you start something and things get in the way and it's like, Oh man, it didn't work. And like, Oh, and I haven't gotten to it in a long time. It's that time where it's like in between where as you said you learn so much and you go, You know what? Maybe it was a good thing that I didn't start approaching that at that time because I've learned so much along the way. I've noticed that a lot with like my writing. I know you were talking with Rob on Vibrant about like writing scripts and stuff like that. And he mentioned stuff with me. That's where I notice all the time. Like if I try to get something to work, like in regards to like getting it produced or getting, you know, certain people attached to a project, I realize I'm like, man. I'm glad it actually took longer than I originally wanted it to because it was that time in between where connections were made. Ideas came to me that I didn't have originally that made the story better. So anyway, I just think that's always the most fascinating thing when you learn how to be patient, especially someone like myself who's like, go, go, go. I got to keep crushing. I got to keep rolling. And you know, go, <laughs> sometimes you just need to take yeah, a Yeah, and there's back.
1: also this thing that happens where I may have uh, somebody that I'm scheduled to do a conversation with and there's like a little nagging voice in my head or just like a lack of enthusiasm with me about it that's saying to me like, maybe this isn't even really, maybe you shouldn't even be bothering talking to this person. Maybe there's something not right about that. And then even if I don't listen to that voice and and cancel or reschedule or whatever, something will happen and for whatever reason it will fall through anyway. And then I was just like, okay, that's a sign.
0: Yep, yeah, dude. And and that's the thing too, man. It's like a timing thing. And this is stuff we can get in today. Um, maybe it's a, kind of like a side note to the main conversation we had on deck. But yeah, man, we're going to have a good one today. It's going to be fun. It We're, we're here. We're going to rock and roll. So, uh, well, first and foremost, for those who haven't seen the other episodes, do you want to quickly just kind of explain who you are and what is that you do?
1: Yeah, man. I am the host of Interverse Podcast. That is my main job. You can find that over at interversepodcast.com. I have two weekly shows the main one and then the Wednesday night vibrant that you mentioned. I have a good one with Rob there. Hoping to get you on there soon, like well, very well, soon.
0: I guess like I meant just getting people to help Hi, out the with the babysitter. Hide the babysitter for those two hours, man. But we'll definitely make it happen. We will make it happen.
1: Yeah, that would be a good time. So those are my two shows, the vibrant ones you can catch on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Central, and those are live flow state conversations, really fun. Uh, so people, if they're not familiar with my you know, overall vibe, me personally, I have kind of two areas that I'm per- like really working to expand on and emphasize for my own personal contribution to this sort of realm of work. The first one being sound healing and vibrational therapies which sound healing, you know, that's kind of a loaded term and I can talk about why I don't love that term but I still kind of unconsciously just throw it out there. <laughs> uh and then the other thing that I'm really into is the etymology, language, mythology, sort of deciphering and decoding and demystifying and like in particular demystifying everything that people have taken on as like dogmatic beliefs about aspects of what is called spirituality, but is really, in my opinion, kind of far from it. So I work a lot with Dylan Sikosio, who, you know, he's a great friend of mine, super appreciative to be able to collaborate with him and his work spirit world has led me into a whole bunch of other authors from the past who are experts at the language. And we're able to keep pushing forward this envelope of demonstrating how all of the cults of the world actually derive from some sort of original source that I think Dylan's getting closer and closer to. But for me, it's like really important to be able to do exactly what so many have done on the mechanistic scientism side, demonstrating that, like, okay, this left brained breaking everything down into parts and components and believing everything the white lab coats say and that they're the expert, so take their word for it. The actual same exact thing happens on the right brain side with what is what I would call sort of uh, fake mysticism, or really just mysticism in general, where it's like we've got the direct line to God, or I had this visionary experience, or whatever it is, this is totally subjective, but take my word for it, I'm the authority, I've got the black coat instead of the white coat, and <laughs> right, right. this is the way that things work in higher dimensions that you can't possibly know anything about. But trust us, we know. And really, when it comes down to it, the value, you know, I'm not someone that's like anti-spirituality or atheistic. Far from it. But I am here to take away the fear and victim mentalities out of people's worldview and also the uh, appeal to authority and other logical fallacies that I can remove while also Bringing us back to like what is actually useful about so called mysticism or spirituality, which is like, how can this um, mythology tell us something about nature, about what actually goes on here in the realm, so that we can do a better job aligning with nature for our own health and well being and wealth?
0: Absolutely. Now, it's kind of a, a softball question here, but is. For you, why? Like, why is it so important to get people back to that place of nature? Why is it so important for for you and your show dedicating all this time, bringing on the people you do the awesome guests that you have on to make it so clear to these people of this demystifying of you don't need a white lab coat, but you also don't need you know the black coat. Like, you need to just be nature. Like, what for those who maybe aren't aware, a lot of people are, but people are coming on, maybe people from your show, like. Well, why is that?
1: Yeah. Why is that? Well, if I had to boil it down to something very simple, it would be, I see the imagination as more of a perceptual mode and like a portal through which we can access the realm of potential and the realm of potential isn't even really a realm in a sense, but you know, that's just a phrase. Mm -hmm. And actually that connects completely with vibrational therapies. But to me, the world that you live in is limited by what you can imagine as possible for yourself and how we limit ourselves through what we believe, the stories we tell about ourselves. all of that can be you know hard to see the walls that we've put in and boxed ourselves in with. and by talking to the people that I talk to, my goal is to help people expand their worldview into more possibilities, and that's out of love because when it comes down to it like the difference between fear and love, what are those two polarities? If those are actual polarities of each other would be like love sees and nurtures the potential in the, whatever it is that it loves and doesn't mm-hmm. limit it and allows it to be and express through as much expanded potential as possible. Whereas fear tries to boil everything down to there's just one way. And there's a bit of a paradox there. Cause like, yeah, there's one <laughs> truth is objective and singular, but that singular truth is also the all, so that's where the duality collapses. And whenever we get in align with, alignment with truth, even though that's sort of singular and objective to a degree, and we all do have different perspectives or angles on how we see it, sure, mm. but that doesn't change the fact that like nature does things the way that nature does things, and it's self-similar across the whole fractal. But whenever we yeah we we see that big larger totality pleromatic truth, it's like that is the real expansion that we can tap into because that's what nature does. That's the, what truth is, is how nature operates. And mm. alchemy is a really good example of that, that if we can uh, align our behavior with the principles through which nature grows and nurtures and exalts that, which it has created, then we also get to grow and exalt. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and there's like no, no um, yet yeah, competition in a sense that we all can rise together more, then needing to sort of cut each other off to through, you know, okay. So like to go back and, and kind of paraphrase the way Dylan back to Dylan would talk about the importance of abrogating the whole priestcraft sorcery <laughs> system is that like, we have a world of middlemen who are essentially energy vampires and psychic vampires, mm-hmm. some intentional, some just because that's the nature of the system. And, and they're a part of that for a survival method. And what's important to realize is how like, Every institution and every way of life that people are mostly in, engaged in is based on the same exact principle of like put yourself in between the, uh, <laughs> the customer, if you will, and, or the victim and their source of whatever it is that they need to survive. So whether it's the black coats putting you between putting themselves between you and the externalized God or it's the you know, bankers putting you between putting themselves between you and uh, wealth, or it's the big ag corporations and food manufacturers that put you between, put themselves between you and the source of your food. It's like the more that we can get to the bottom of it or like find our own ability to directly perceive where the source of something is, the more empowered we all get. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, obvious examples, grow your own food, You take care of your own health rather than the middleman between you and health called the doctor. And there's so many examples. And the important thing to see is how like these systems are all not just aligned with each other or reflections of each other, but actually (laughs) the same thing came from the same place, especially the medics. Like that's the cult of the medics. They have all the same symbolism as the the cults of Helios or hell (laughs) that, you know, the Vatican is sort of an origin point for, but it goes back before the Vatican. And that's the other beauty of it is like by reclaiming our knowledge of symbolism and our ability to go past the exoteric and understand how these uh, mythologies and symbols are talking about nature. We are able to then go to the original value of these systems. And it actually makes the, you know, it turns what was worthless or even self harming and self defeating into very empowering, very beautiful, allows us to see the harmony, cohesion, the maat of all nature and life, how everything is this math, magical, perfect, you know, creation. And then that is the real demonstration that gets us out of atheism or gets us out of agnosticism and into the world of knowing.
0: Absolutely, dude. And there's so many places that we could have took that. But I do want to say, if we're really quoting dylan on this in regards to how you described it it probably starts something like those little bitch tits who think they run this egotistical fucking losers (laughs) that's i think a good way to start it and anyone who knows dylan knows that that uh was pretty spot on i'm fired up all right let's do this Um, but yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right, man. And and that's the thing that I love about, or you yeah. would
1: say it's like a system of beta males who have found oh, yeah, a way to compete with
0: men that they otherwise yeah. would get their asses kicked by. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and he's, and he's a hundred percent right, dude. And that's, what's great about Dylan's work, spirit world. Go check it out, guys. Uh, just so you know, uh, those who don't know chance you've done all the, all the audio books for that, right? You've done, I've done the, the
1: third world. one. He had a different narrator for the first two. Oh, you know, I think it's cause.
0: <laughs> You're like I not still- why, but I like I wish yeah. that
1: I'd done all three. But it's yeah. cool. i have done. I've done the third one, and I'm about seventy percent of the way through the fourth one as we speak. And awesome. hopefully, my goal is to have that done really soon. And then by the time he puts out Holy Sailors Book Five, I should be able to just jump right in to seamlessly beginning the narration of that. But awesome, those projects, man. man, I recommend people read the books, get the ebook, have the ability to cross reference it as an index, but also. The audiobook because there's one thing whenever you see it and there's another thing when you hear it pronounced and like I have <laughs> I've had to do some work to be able to pronounce some of the other languages and words correctly. And part of the huge value of like when Dylan says, do the work, catch up. Yeah. Is not just to sort of passively take in the information, but to then also take the time and it actually doesn't take that much time to learn these other alphabets. Like yeah. Greek and Hebrew, because if you do that, you're actually going to start to see the connections yourself, and that's yeah. what happens to me now. Constantly, I'm just like, "Oh, I was looking at uh, Thrace, which is the <laughs> mm. the the northern barbarians that the ancient Greeks talked about, and uh, looking into them and realizing Thrace. Well, that's basically Thrice. So there's your Troy, Troya, Trinity." And mm-hmm. there, they even had a philosopher who was a uh, slave originally and then ascended to godhood, becoming the, the god of life and death, which is the exact same as all the other Mercury, uh, Charon, Jesus, mediator characters. His name is Zalmoxis, which is phonetically Sal Moses, whenever you look at the, the Greek letters. So, Sal the Salvator, Sar. Same thing, which is the the rock, the Lord, and then Moses, which is the initiate. And he, yeah. he goes into a cave for three years instead of three days. He's presumed dead, and then he, can, he rises again. And I'm just like, man, Herodotus. This is what yeah. Dylan said about it when I pointed this out to him. He's like, it's like Herodotus just took all of the like, – it was obviously fake, Herodotus, because how could you take all of these – stories from all these different regions tell the same story from every place with slightly altered names and then call that history and not realize that none of that was history
0: right and that's what's so interesting about it man with dylan's work and um for those who are like why are you guys talking about dylan so much because at least for me dylan's
1: the man that's why
0: dude D- dylan dylan opened my eyes to so many things and as you said i didn't you know i haven't done the uh the audiobooks, if i'm being honest which no, nothing against you. I just haven't gotten to them yet. How but dare I, you? How dare you? Must be nice. Um, but what is interesting is, is as I've been doing them and reading them and then also just on my own doing like individual words where I'm like, oh, I want to know how that sounds or go and look up how it sounds. That alone, like you said, has already made a world of a difference. You start to see differences. And quite frankly, dude, talking about how easy it is. My son's three. He's, he's, half japanese so our quarter japanese so like when we're learning even japanese we start to like catch on to like different uh alphabets and counting to 10 just like for fun and it's like a fun way to learn with them like little things not as deep as you but dude like you start catching on to things even with that but you have to have a little bit of that knowledge of wherewithal to know like what you're looking for like you said these symbols that have been used in these like a cold, like, you know, these occults and them using them for nefarious reasons and knowing, okay, well, let's learn the symbols. Let's learn, you know, the interconnectedness interconnectedness of this all, because what does it do? It really gives you a sense of of knowledge and understanding of what is going on around you, the communication that is symbolism. And you go, man, all right, there's nothing to be as afraid of. Like you really, as you said, it demystifies all of this just chaos that's trying to be implemented on the world, it gives you, in what I talk about all the time, the ability to be present, be with self, you know, doing what you're doing with the energetic sound healing. You know, I know there's another name for it that you use, but it really gives you the chance to go, man, all right, this thing I have here, this breath is nature. It is a part of this perfect design and this, uh, this ever-changing design and you're going, man, I'm in it. I'm a part of it. I'm not separate from it. I'm only choosing to be separate from it because of, you know, what I'm being put into. I can move between the public and the private, you know, for those who don't know the law series stuff, but it's like, all right, man, now I feel good. I can go through my day and it's like, oh, everyone's freaking out about this. And it's going, not really doing it for me, not worried. And then people go, whoa, how do you have that energy? And it's like, Come with me, No, just kidding <laughs> but yeah no it's uh it's pretty awesome man but i I, I want to dive into maybe the topic we had at uh on the on the uh on the deck, man, would you want to uh, tee us off on what we we originally talked about last time that we we want to bring in today?
1: yeah, yeah, we only got to really briefly get into it last time, so we're going to be talking about using sound to balance the energy field of the human body and this is super important to me to bring to your show particularly because I have, uh, you know, one of the goals on my checklist here for life at this current time is that I want to bring this information to the community you're connected into, the bear community. Mm-hmm. You know, check it out. Yeah, yeah. Got my gravy bear right here. You know, <laughs>
0: I nice. may not have a bear name, but I'm I'm, I'm one of you people. <laughs> Dude. Uh, Which which we will talk about. You're at the festival. So we we will talk about that uh, in a little bit. But yes. Yeah,
1: sure. So I want to bring this to the community because it's not like I want to tap into you guys as a huge base of potential clients. Sure. I'd love to work together. You know, if anybody out there listening, hearing what we talk about today and wants to try a session with me, get in touch. I'll give my contact at the end, but or check the show notes or go to my website. But it's important to me that the community gets into this information and those who it resonates with actually start picking it up and trying it for themselves because there's a huge array of possibilities using sound to work on yourself or help other people. And, you know, a lot of bears out there are, like, trying to figure out probably what's my thing that gets me out of Babylon? What's my new modality? Or how can I get healthier? You know, if I had one criticism of the bear community – it's that there's still a lot of people that need to work on their health. They're overdosing on gravy. They're not getting their fruits and veggies. <laughs> they right. need more sunlight. <laughs> and that's the also problem with anything in the conspiratorial, you know, sphere of podcasts and things. Is like as soon as I see somebody that is not, is obviously evidently not very healthy. I take all their information with like an entire bag of salt. Or maybe I just turn it off because... What use is any of the gravy if you're not actually, you know, crushing at life? And the yeah. first and foremost thing to crush at life would be to get strong, to get healthy. Absolutely. So what? Uh, yeah. So all that being said, I think that many bears out there could do what I did, which is to pick up the tuning forks, learn how to do this for themselves, or if they wanted to, they could even get you know hands-on training from. Uh, Eileen Day McCusick. So let me talk. Well, I'm kind of jumping around, but here, let me show you this book. Yeah. So these, well, these are a couple of books by Eileen Day McCusick. The first one is Electric Body, Electric Health. That is the newest one, and her original book is Tuning the Human Biofield. So if we talk about this stuff today, if what we're talking about interests you out there, pick up one of these books. And you can really dive into the science behind it. (laughs) But you know, Eileen does a really good job. She's super Libra in like bridging the spiritual and the science things together. She does talk about real world evidence and demonstrations of why this stuff is effective, but also gets into some of the spiritual traditions that talk about sound. And anyway, it's fascinating, but what's important is the modality itself is effective. You can replicate it. It's consistent from human to human. And, like I said, I learned this myself by reading these books and then picking up the forks and experimenting. It was like a one or two year journey to proficiency, but at the biofield tuning store, which is her website, just look up biofield tuning. You could also, if you're interested get into some of the virtual coursework to learn this stuff through her and get certified,
0: which would be great too. Yeah. I, have so I always sonic, want to give her I have a, a sonic slider. What's I that? Have, I have her sonic slider. I, um, I play around with it for sure.
1: Yeah, and here's what that looks like. Mm -hmm. We may have brought this up on the previous episode, but I first got into this whole thing because I had a shoulder injury that wouldn't go away. I heard Eileen talking on Crow, and I was like, hearing bells go off in my head, like, this is the thing, try this out, look into this more deeply. So I got her book, and I got this weighted tuning fork, which is not very expensive. I think it's like $85 right now and you can use it forever, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. It's a lot cheaper than filling a prescription over and over again that gives you side effects, which are really just effects that are not good for you as well. Right. So, you know, every time I do this conversation, I try not to, like, pull it out of uh, a can and do it exactly the same way, so I jump around maybe. But the important thing to learn here, the takeaway for this, even if, tuning forks aren't your thing, or you don't, you know, go further into researching vibrational therapies is that injury and disease all have a spiritual or emotional component, kind of same thing, but energetic component. You could simplify it to before there's ever a physical manifestation of an injury or disease. And people may get that with like actual, what are you know called diseases or mis- malfunctions of the body. But this actually applies to everything too. Like if you stub your toe or if you roll your ankle, things that seem like they came from an external source or pure randomness, not random. Everything happens as a reflection and an expression and a communication from your energy back to you. And so like the more that you ignore that or the less you comprehend that you're getting a message, the rougher, (laughs) you know, the more you're roughed up by it, you might get. (laughs) I like to use the example of like, You know, if you're not on the right path in life, you might first have like something weird happen, like money gets stolen from you just a bit or a friend freaks out at you or, you know, these weird little blips. And the next thing that happens, maybe you get pulled over Mm -hmm. then maybe you get in a car wreck. Then maybe your house burns down. (laughs) Then maybe a family member uh, that you're really close to dies. And I'm not saying like to blame yourself for these things, but. I said, when I say a family member dies, I mean like somebody that you have a big attachment to sometimes the, and it's harming your path forward. Sometimes, you know, God will just take that away from you in a harsh way. Because at the end of the day, we all came here for our reason to come here, whatever our, our spiritual destiny is in a sense. And it's not that you don't have free will. You totally do have free will. But if you get away from where you never even know to begin with your purpose here things are going to keep happening to try to point you towards your purpose, and they're going to get louder and sometimes scarier, mm. you know, as needed to get you to that purpose. <laughs> That's what Absolutely. I think anyway. So the injuries that we, we suffer and the diseases we suffer all have a physiological, emotional component. And I, I knew this sort of abstractly, but I hadn't internalized it. I wasn't seeing it in myself. And I had this shoulder injury that I attributed to rock climbing I couldn't lift my arm over my shoulder and I got the sonic slider. I started working on it. Didn't really know the like reason for an injury like that in terms of the biofield anatomy, which we'll talk more about, but I did manage to have immediate relief. Like, <laughs> like within a few days, the pain was gone and I was just using this weighted tuning fork on the shoulder. You strike the fork, it vibrates. You don't really hear it cause it's weighted in the, point of it is to transfer the vibration directly into the body. So I had immediate success with that. Within a week I was like able to do workouts again, climb again. The shoulder was all good to go. And <laughs> what I didn't understand at the time was that this left shoulder represents our uh yeah, left shoulder has to, shoulders in general. Like think about this, a lot of it is very literal in the metaphor. So, shoulders have to do with what are we carrying? And so, we might be carrying. Um, I'm sorry, I just got an email. I need to close that out so I don't get distracted by that. Yeah. So, what are we carrying? The right shoulder might be physically doing work and saying yes to things and other people that we really need to say no to for our own well being, you know, like carrying them literally. <laughs> the left shoulder is more like carrying emotional uh, pain and baggage and suffering. That maybe isn't even ours to begin with. Uh, the, so, the left armpit, left shoulder region have a lot to do with the pain and suffering energetically that we absorb from other people or from the world at large. And a lot of people I notice whenever I, I tune them have a particular blip around this area from about the time when the coup started to now. Mm-hmm. You know, that entire psyop caused so much fear, suffering, panic. And even those of us that were like not dialed into the fear fear aspect of it, we didn't buy it. Still, we saw like friends and family spiraling and sometimes dying and having a really hard time. And you know, I, okay, so like the biofield in terms of structure, we all have this thing that has been called an aura and it extends on average about six feet off the body in all directions. And there's information stored in this biofield. And where it is at, in terms of how far away from your body, is basically giving you an indication of when or where in your life you picked up a particular energy that you're still carrying and holding on to. and I say mm-hmm. holding on to it, but're really like you've pushed it away from yourself, but you can't get away from your yourself, so it's mm-hmm. a part of you that you're trying to keep away from your awareness or from feeling, but it's following you around. It's akin to demonic possession or attachment mm-hmm. to me, actually like. You know, I can entertain the idea that there are external entities or intelligences that maybe can interfere with people demonically, so to speak. But more in a more sort of grounded perspective, and I'm not saying it's either or could be, Mm. you know, both things could go on. But I think most people's experience of attachment or possession type energy or entities like bad voices in their head and everything is their own energy that they've separated from themselves compartmentalized somewhere in their biofield. And where it is at in the biofield is going to basically determine what kind of feeling it is, what kind of voice it is. And because our own energy is ourself, it's our consciousness, it's our awareness, it's our you know memory, all of that. <clears throat> Life force energy is all of these things. Uh, whenever we separate and compartmentalize part of it from ourself, it's basically like, you know, a daemon or a daemon, divided mind or or divided man. And now you have this fragment of self that has become separated and individuated, but you're carrying it around with you. And it is in a bad polarity. <laughs> you know, it's an unbalanced polarity. So functionally, it is exactly the same as the idea of a demonic possession or attachment, which I know you've been interested in lately. And you're going to talk to Jerry Marzinski and you know, I'm not saying that this is the only way of understanding this stuff, but it's a way of understanding these things that also sort of, you know, de it or demystifies it, takes a lot of the scary out of it, and just puts right. it back into the realm of, like, all this self. That there's totally. only, the only thing that exists that's permanent in nature is the I am. And it's the, the I am energy, is the life force energy, is the prana, is consciousness, is awareness. And it's the same I am energy for all of us. But as soon as the I am becomes defined, like whenever we say I am my name or how in English we say I am sad, as opposed to the Spanish would say, like, I have sadness. I think mm-hmm. the Spanish would say it that way. Yeah, Other languages will say it that way. And there's a huge difference between identifying with or not identifying with. And again, like <laughs> back to understanding the definitions of words more clearly when we define ourselves, also that it can be limiting. So we got to be aware of what we attach to the, I am and this energy that gets stuck in the biofield is like, I am energy that we've defined in a negative way and maybe even unconsciously speaking. So, you know, let let me finish out this point. I know I'm kind of going all over the place and I'll let you respond and ask some questions,
0: but (laughs) just keep going, keep going, dude. Um, you're you're on a roll, dude, even though it seems (laughs) it's all over. I, I know, I know this feeling you're rocking. Keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this left shoulder energy for me had to do with like, uh, I didn't realize it, but once I cleared that energy out of my biofield, the reflection in the fractal for me in the external world was that within a few months, the marriage I was in started to collapse. And it was because I was now, you know, I was no longer in this victim posture and vulnerability to psychic vampirism. And I say that not to like blame the partner, but recognizing that psychic vampirism is a dynamic that also requires a vulnerable empath or a victim mentality on the other side of the polarity. So it takes two to tango, you know, and both kind of do that, do it to each other as well. So Mm -hmm. like just the fact that I'm in this victim posture of being assaulted by the psychic vampire, but that is also applying a negative to the uh, other person and sort of vaporizing them in return (laughs) by like making them the monster in your mind. And this is a big thing that happens in people's relationships is, you know, you either project the story of who you wish they were or your own virtues onto them and you're blind to their faults or, and usually in conjunction with you also take a victim mindset about like how they're a monster to you (laughs) (laughs) in all the ways that is like way blown out of proportion to reality. So for me, once I got this part of my biofield, the left shoulder area cleared up and the holes in the R fixed up, then the relationship bows and started to crumble. And then that caused me like a spiral. That was my whole, that was my dark night of the soul of 2020 for me. (laughs) It wasn't the coof. It was like, interestingly, it coincided with all that going on in the world too. So, uh, it was great though. I, I learned eventually that I actually, saved myself from a path that wasn't my own destiny like my real intention and in destiny, uh, because you know, like that relationship, it was not going to be fruitful. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't going to mm-hmm. be kids. There wasn't going to be all these things that, you know, nature would call for. So that wasn't the way and, you know, no, no hate for the, the ex, but it was amazing how addressing the issue from the energetic level caused the attachment and the external to, on its own fall off, you know, Mm -hmm. and the bandaid was pulled off and everything got better in so many ways in my life from there. Like once I had all that personal energy returned to my field, it was like within, within a very short order. I was also no longer in my old job. I was no longer like mentally addicted to cannabis. I got to go from, Wishing a lot of things would change for my life to them actually changing and me making it happen because I had the throughput energetically to do that. So, since then, now I'm like full time as a podcast host. I've gotten further into the tuning work where I do stuff with clients on a very, very regular basis, several times a week, and supporting myself through the things I'm passionate about and care about. And none of that really would have unfolded the way that it did or as quickly as it did if I didn't get myself more energetically aligned with sound so
0: thanks for checking out our free preview of the podcast if you want to listen to the rest of this episode and many others like it become a member at thepatlife.org